Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, how one woman went from experiencing the suicide of her husband to advocating for people with COVID-19 vaccine injuries. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Welcome to Sideline Sanity. Today, I'm going to sort of draw a line for you between one woman, a very tragic loss in her life, the loss of her husband, and I'm going to connect that line all the way to COVID vaccines and their after effects. So we're going to do that in less than 30 minutes. And to join me is that woman, Kim Witzak. Um, you can find her at, at, at kimwitzak.com and it's W-I-T-C-Z-A-K. You'll see it on the lower third there. Kim, welcome. I want to start with your story because it's profound. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. I like to call myself the accidental advocate because I never set out to do this work. However, I now represent what it feels like to live with the real everyday life consequences of a failed drug safety system. So it all started back in August 6, 2003, um, um, over 19 years ago. Um, I, I got a call from my dad that my husband of almost 10 years was found hanging from the rafters of our garage, dead at age 37. He wasn't depressed. He didn't have a history of depression or any other mental illness or suicidality. Uh, he was given an antidepressant. Um, he had just started his dream job for um, with a startup company and was having trouble sleeping. So he was a guy that naturally needed eight hours of sleep. So And he went to his doctor, and the doctor sent him home with a sample pack off and gave him Zoloft, which is an antidepressant, and told him it would take the edge off and help him sleep. So this was Zoloft in 2003, you said? 2003. 2003. And again, it was prescribed as a way to help your husband sleep a little better. He was early into this job, anxiety, the, the mind spinning, as, as anyone can appreciate and understand. And the lack of sleep can be devastating to anyone who needs sleep. You know, it's there's a reason they use sleep deprivation as torture. It's awful. So this medication was was given to your husband as a sample pack. Was he given any kind of warnings about use or anything like that, that, that there could be side effects? 
No, and this was um, back in 2003 before there were any um, black box suicide warnings put on these drugs. In fact, there wasn't even a warning telling him it was an antidepressant, which he might have said, well, I'm not depressed, right? That would have been the first thing. But um, I, um, I was out of the country the first three weeks he was put on the drug. So I wasn't even there. And I will never forget when I got back on week number four, I was excited to see him. And he walked in the door and he was completely drenched through his dress shirt. But he dropped his bag and he fell to the floor. And he's like, Kim, you got to help me. I don't know what's happening to me. My head's outside my body looking in. And he's like rocking back and forth. And I remember going, uh, I've never seen this ever in him. And I remember like, we calmed him down. We like did some praying, breathing, yoga, and called the doctor and told him what happened. And the doctor said, you got to give this drug four to six weeks to kick in. Well, that the next week of his life, he came home every day saying, Kim, what do you think about hypnosis? I'm going to beat this feeling in my head. What do you think about acupuncture? I'm going to beat this feeling in my head. So it was always about this feeling in his head. And the night that Woody was found, I was out of the town um, on business again. And the coroner asked if Woody was on any medication. He, The only medication he was on was this um, drug Zoloft. And she said it was sitting on the kitchen table and she would take it with her. It might have something to do with his death. Like, what? You know, I'm, my whole life had just fallen apart. And my brother-in-law, who had been at my house then, was like, what would that have to do with his death? And um, also on the front page of our newspaper that day, the Star Tribune, it had an article that said the UK finds link between antidepressants and suicide in teens. And I forever will believe that that was my um, note that I got from Woody because he always, like we both traveled for our work and we always left notes for each other. The fact that he was going to take the biggest trip of his life meaning dead. He did not leave a note. This was his note. And that was the start of what became my life purpose now. And uh, But literally when we Googled that night, Zoloft and suicide, little did I know that the FDA had hearings in 1991 on the exact same issue, but um, with Prozac and did nothing. Did nothing. Did nothing. So the FDA had in 1991, the FDA had hearings about Prozac and suicidal tendencies, but there was no resolution from those hearings. Nothing came of them. Nope. What they, um, so interesting, you know, um, all the advisory board members that were on the committee took money from the manufacturers who were making antidepressants, number one. And so they are like, nope, we don't see any issue or we don't see any link between. But at the time they told Eli Lilly, who is a manufacturer of Prozac to study suicidality and uh, the F they never did. And the FDA never followed up. Meanwhile, they approve two new drugs, um, Pro or Paxil and Zoloft and then for kids. And then it became in ultimately that became my mission, right? To get black box suicide warnings put on, but that was 13 years after the FDA First yeah. started investigating. Like, yeah. how crazy is that? It's it is crazy, but nothing surprises me anymore. That comes out of out of Washington D.C. So to, uh, up to that point, because I really want to, I want to give Woody his due here. Your 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 husband um, that you lost to that point that and you knew him. You were married what ten years? You said before this happened. Ten years. 
And you had never seen this from him until that time. Never. I mean, this guy loved life. If he walked into the room, like he would light up the room. Like he was in sales. Like he loved life. And even during this time, he um, was um, running. And so he was pretty anal. So he kept a running journal. And so he was during this time, like he couldn't do his normal 10 miles because he said he felt really crappy. He was only doing three miles. But that isn't some guy who's going to kill himself. Um, we just booked our 10 year anniversary wedding trip. We were um, to Thailand. We were going to his with his parents to Hawaii that um, Thanksgiving. So it was like, what? Like, how did he go from like all of a sudden head outside the body to being dead hanging? And you know, it was my dad. And thank God I didn't see it. But you know, my dad was the one that had to find him. And I will always be thankful I didn't because I don't have that visual. But I also know what it did to my dad. Oh, what is the one thing that you want people to remember about your, your husband? Oh boy. Um, I love the way he, he was my greatest teacher, my greatest teacher. He would tell me he would never judge his life based on how much money he made or his career. It was his family and his friends and leaving the world a better place. And I feel like I want people to know that his life mattered, his death mattered. And I will, for until I go uh, the rest of my life, I will, he will always be my inspiration for the work I do today. And let's talk about that work when we come back from this quick break, how Kim has turned this horrifying event in her very young life into her life's mission. And then we'll connect that dot to these COVID vaccines right after this. So if you're like me, you don't get the fruits and vegetables you need in the amounts you need, the quantities, and also the quality that you need, because it's tough to get that many in each and every day. But I have discovered something that is helping me get it done, and I feel so good about it. This is Field of Greens. It's by Brickhouse Nutrition. And I just mix it up in a little bit of water, and then I add whatever little bit of juice or favorite drink to it that I want, and I guzzle it down. It's 15 calories. And it's giving me tons of the fruits and vegetables, everything I need each day in one little scoop. And it's not just the quantity, it's the, the types, the varieties of fruits and vegetables that are essential for good skin, good energy. I am crazy about this stuff. And I want to help you get a good deal on this. And I can. So go to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. And if you use the promo code TAFOYA, you will get 15% off your first order. Co promo code TAFOYA, T-A-F-O-Y-A. And then if you subscribe, you'll get an additional 10% off. Just use my code TAFOYA, T-A-F-O-Y-A. It's Field of Greens. It just makes you feel great. I can't recommend this highly enough. Go to Field of Greens, use that promo code TAFOYA. You'll save some money. Kim Witzak lost her husband. It's believed that the Zoloft he was given by his doctor created these suicidal tendencies. And, and that's what led to his, his death. And so you fought, what was your step then from that moment and that despair, Kim, into the public conversation about all this? How did you make that leap? 
Well, obviously, you know, my life had just completely went on a different track. And it, thank God for my brother-in-law who kind of put this together because he became my um, right-hand person. We started going out to D.C. I mean, almost immediately because when they had that, um, that they said the U.K. had found Link, we, we just started going out there and meeting with our representatives and to push for hearings and congressional hearings, as well as um, there were FDA hearings at that point. So we became, you know, we didn't have social media back then. So we had to literally get on a plane and show up. And so that was one thing I learned. And we just walked down and we didn't care who we were talking to. You know, obviously they, there's always a process and, um, and they'll say, oh, you have to work through your representative. But I'm like, I, I didn't care if you were red, blue, anybody who would help help us. And then I also, my background's advertising and marketing. So I knew that the media was an important element to help tell the story. The me, you know, because that's where the people live is in, you know, the mainstream media, which we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then um, I also had a, um, I had a lawsuit against Pfizer and a wrongful death lawsuit. And in that, you know, um, the, the the law firm was based out in California, and I didn't realize they were like one of the first that were doing all of these um, Zoloft. Like Phil Hartman, um, the if you remember from Saturday Night Live, his yes. wife took it, then murdered him, and then took her own life. They had yes. a, they had a lawsuit that my lawyers were representing against Pfizer. None of us, the public, didn't hear about it. Right? It was silently um, settled, and that was it. Well, so Pfizer settled that lawsuit. Mm-hmm. They okay. settled it. And with Woody's, I remember telling my lawyer, I don't, it's not about money because no money will ever bring Woody back. Yeah. This is about telling his story and making um, do with it. So um, through it, one of the things is, you know, I said, I want to get suicide warnings put on these drugs. And through our lawsuit, and I've got a huge binder. These were all documents that we got out from under seal that Pfizer, the FDA, um, and all these other drug companies have known since the 90s. And forever, these documents were argued as trade secret. Well, the judge in um, my case said, these aren't trade secrets. So literally, um, he released them. I had very smart, advocacy-oriented lawyers. And I marched binders worth, like we kind of, I always call my um, brother-in-law, binder boy, because we'd be carrying boxes. I mean, we were schlepping boxes of binders and I delivered them to anybody who was on um, the FDA or like um, the congressional hearings that oversaw FDA drug safety, um, as well as the FDA. I brought them to the media. I brought anybody who would listen going, uh, you know, you could, it's one thing Woody's dead, but head outside the body. And then you see a document where it says, that people were writing into Pfizer saying that there are people having head outside their bodies. And, and they're like, oh, it happens on all SSRIs. We don't know why. I'm like, really? And you didn't tell the doctors and you didn't tell the public? People are like dead because of this. So the, there are power. So that's another thing that I learned through this whole, um, in my experience, uh, is the power of lawsuits. And then... Um, at the end, of how the did day, your how did your lawsuit with against Pfizer get resolved? Uh, it got resolved. Well, let me tell you, they tried to. Um, we had a couple of big hearings. Preemption. I don't know. It's a. It'll be a really down the um, uh, the weeds. Um, yeah. But it's preemption. 
But basically, um, Pfizer put, there was a guy who went into the FDA who did not have to have congressional um, uh, support before he went into the FDA as chief counsel. He received $300,000 from Pfizer before he took that position. And he started intervening conveniently on behalf of all of these private lawsuits against Pfizer using the federal preemption brief that basically said, oh, we're the FDA. And if we didn't see any issue, and you know, even if you wanted to warn, we didn't see an issue. So we wouldn't let you warn. So a lot of lawsuits got thrown out. Oh. And um, in, in our, the federal judge here in Minneapolis, he saw right through it. And he did not, um, he, Pfizer tried twice with this um, argument to get it thrown out. And then let me tell you that whole legal thing, um, they had me eight hours, Pfizer did. And they didn't want to know about Woody. For the first half of my deposition, all they wanted to know was who knew what where out in D.C. Who, um, how did I get Senator Grassley involved? How did I get the attorney general involved? And it was all a fact-finding mission. And, because, and that was another like insight thinking, they don't really care about, they don't care about Woody. They don't care about us as people. It was all about protecting this whole, you know, the antidepressant um, and and their product, right? So finally, I remember after like about four hours, I said, "Can I ask you a question?" And she goes, "No, we're asking the questions." And I'm like, "All right." Um, I mean, I was so mad, and I said, "Can I ask? I don't know what." This line of questioning has to do with my husband. You have not asked me one thing about him. Please continue. That's what I said. I was like, uh, it was just amazing to think that it is not, you know, it's not about the people. We are literally considered just the cost of doing business, acceptable collateral damage. Oh my God. So, so did Pfizer ultimately lose this case, win this case, settle with you? What happened? Yeah, it eventually got resolved because all their tactics that they used um, didn't work. And so I think they saw that they were uh, never going to win this one. So, and that ultimately Woody's was the one that started to resolving all the other cases that were out there. But, you know, it wasn't just Woody, there were a lot of them and 13 year olds, that got Zola for test anxiety and then were, they hung themselves. Oh I mean, it's been a long journey to watch what the companies will do to protect their product, their reputation, et cetera, and keep it from the public. And now you sit on a part of an FDA board. What, what is your role there? Uh, I'm the consumer representative on the FDA Psychopharmalogic Drugs Advisory Committee. So basically, it's the advisory committee that reviews all new um, new drugs that are coming um, to market within like the psychotropic area, or a lot of them okay. are. I'm also involved with some of the opioid type drugs, but okay. this is the same committee that in 1991 had those guys done their job. So I feel really like. You know, I might be the only lone no vote on a committee, but if I see safety issues or potential safety issues, I have to vote because I know that there are real potential consequences to the decisions that these guys make. It's really almost infuriating. No, it is infuriating. And it's, it's, it's a little scary. Kim Witzak is our guest. Now, when we come back, how she's gone from this to 
sitting with people who are now victims of vaccine injury. And I met with some of these people about a week ago. Kim was there. We'll tell you about it next. Well, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted, but gold has been on the rise. Gas prices are another story. They remain super high. The stock market is all over the map. Inflation is worse than it was a year ago. Heck, it's worse than it's been in decades. And we have this war with Russia and Ukraine that is persisting. The markets don't like instability. But the good news is you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection because gold provides a hedge against inflation and it protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust for investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and your retirement. Call Legacy Precious Metals today. Get your questions answered about this. Be proactive while there's still time. Remember 2008? Hate to remind you about that, but those who invested in gold saw huge gains while others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all your options for investing in gold and silver, and you can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. Here's the number. Get a pencil. 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com legacypminvestments.com. So Kim, I was invited to listen to a group of people who have suffered vaccine, COVID vaccine injuries, and you were there at this meeting. How did you get involved with these, with these folks? Well, there's a woman, one of the vax injured that I first met um, out in at in D.C. in November of last year at the Senator Johnson hearing where it was a bunch of experts. Ron Johnson of Ron Wisconsin. Johnson. Yep, Ron Johnson. Okay, he had a hearing um, or a, a, a panel that was experts as well as um, vax injured, and that was the first I had hear um, heard. Literally, like there were eight of them on the panel, and I would recommend anybody to go and listen to their stories. Um, that was November 2nd. And you can find was, that on YouTube or? Um, well, if it's still there, it might oh, be on yeah. a bumble. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I think, you know, unfortunately, I'm, I think there are parts of the panel that did get pulled from YouTube, which okay. is another whole, you know, story. It's a but, whole other layer. Yeah. Yeah. But I met one of the women, um, uh, her name was Suzanne Johnson. She was from Minnesota. And we just, um, we went from that panel to, there was, um, a, we were out on the s- um, steps of Supreme Court with a group of vax injured. And literally, it is heartbreaking to hear their stories and to not want to do something. You know, I've already, I mean, I've been through this. And Literally, I have so much respect for a lot of these people who are injured that literally are in wheelchairs and all of that. They actually showed up and came out like to DC to make sure that they could tell their story. But the sad thing is there was no media at this hearing. The only one were the alt media. I was like, where is the mainstream media? I mean, I also sent out a bunch to all my contacts and I have a work in, you know, still in the business. I sent them to um, a bunch of the, me- the media and nobody was there. 
I was like, um, hello, <laughs> um, this is a real thing happening, but you know, um, and to hear their stories of being gaslit, told them that they don't exist, like they're anti-vaxxers. I'm like, wait a minute, they did the right, the right thing, what the yeah. government asked, and now they're being completely dismissed. It's amazing. So you're talking about people and in her case, she, she's what, 50 years old, 50, really active woman was a triathlete. And when I met her, she was using a cane and she had to be reclining on the sofa because her heart rate kept spiking. So are, these are people who they will tell you, they remember the moment they got their shot. They'll never forget it because it changed everything. Maybe not in that instant that the needle went into their arm, but they know intuitively that something changed in their bodies after whether it was the first shot, in some cases, the second shot, and that their their lives have been completely altered. And and is in in kind of similar ways, a lot of the symptoms mm-hmm. are very similar. And so it can't be discounted. But no one's curious enough to look into this. It seems that Senator Ron Johnson wants to find some answers. Is he your only audience at this point? Well, believe it or not, on the national scale, like, you know, you might have somebody like a Rand Paul or um, Paul, Rand Paul, right? Rand Paul, yes. Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky. Yep. He'll answer, you know, he is out there drilling Fauci, but there really isn't a whole lot um, that are asking the question. But, you know, I'm even like, I mean, that's DC, which is where a lot of my work is. But, you know, I go back to our doctors here are, you know, like, how come... And I mean, of course, I know because follow the money and you know how everybody's being incentivized and people are afraid to connect the dots. But like, where's the curiosity? The same thing I remember saying to the FDA when I told Woody's story, I go, aren't you curious to know why like this guy who didn't have depression all of a sudden like five weeks later hangs himself? Like you should be curious. And if you go through and look at the, you know, the FDA's um, reporting system, which is the VAERS for um, vaccines, there are, I mean, it's the most they've ever had. And yet there's no curiosity. There's no, it's like, they're lying about it. They're like, oh, it's, it's not rare. I mean, it's super rare or like, I'm just saying, why wouldn't you want to know? And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you are in the positions and you are a position of authority, whether it's your doctors or you're at the, the, at the DC congressional level, like you have a responsibility. <laughs> I, I, it, responsibility seems to have been abdicated um, yeah, totally. through this whole thing, hasn't it? it? It it really seems as though we've been told what to do. We've been asked from the very beginning, it was just two weeks to stop the spread, right? Or to, you know, to flatten the curve. And it just went on and on and on and on. So people dutifully, and in some cases against their better judgment, took these shots. And while the majority of people might be okay, if you know someone, and I sat there and I met three women that day with you whose lives were completely altered, like they are not functioning the same as they have been. And the fact that no one will even, like you said, listen to them and investigate a little bit and say, I wonder how this could have happened. What did we miss? And 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 this was just here. This was one day in a little town in Minnesota. So I jumped online and I found another Facebook page 
that they invited me in with a whole another group of people from Ohio. So now I, you know, we're going to keep peeling back the layers here, but you say often follow the money. Um, how, how convinced are you that, that these vaccines are incentivized because of a, because of money and not, I mean, do we know, do we have the research yet to know whether or not these vaccines actually did make for milder cases, make for fewer cases in the hospital? I mean, we can look at data, but data can be manipulated. I've, I, there are just so many questions and maybe it's too early to really realistically expect answers, but you sit in a position where you see a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your hunch? My hunch, well, I've always said, uh, follow the money because that's actually how I was able to connect all the dots. And there are so many dots that are being connected. You know, you just, even the, just go to see who, um, who's funding the fact checkers. The drug companies are fat, um, they're, they're, if you go through and look at like Facebook fact checkers, it's Pfizer, it's the drug companies. So, you know, there's one, there's a conflict of interest. Then you look at the people who sit on these advisory boards that are, you know, the, the FDA or the FDA advisory board, similar to what I sit on, right? For the vaccines, they all work for academic institutions. Well, if you understand how the funding for academic institution work, it's pharma. And so even if you, even if you wanted to speak out, you kind of probably know that your funding for research or your school, your university comes from that money, right? Then you look at the system. I mean, um, every, with every application that a drug company puts into um, the FDA for authorization or approval, you put, um, it's a user fee. And that all started back in 1992. So um, it's called PDUFA, and there's one for all these vaccines. So there's so much money flowing in through to the FDA. And then you look at just Fauci, and you look that you can have, um, you know, you look at the CDC, and you can hold patents. And then you have the rotating doors between, you know, the FDA, um, who were responsible for some of the vaccines, um, the, the COVID vaccines. They now are working for the industry. So the whole system is built on follow the money. And yet all we did, and then you look at the hospitals. I mean, you know, I go to the hospitals and they're getting, um, they get incentivized by getting people like on, that have ventilators and, um, and using a protocol. Uh, The whole thing is built on money. And, and yet the people, we, the people are the ones that are that ultimately pay the price for something like this. Well, and certainly in these these cases that I saw, it was it, it was totally compelling, uh, and so it made me want to have you on my podcast. And I will be having some of these vaccine injured on my podcast and others. We're going to keep digging at this story because it fascinates me. It's important. Uh, you know, you can say from afar, well, it didn't affect me. If it did you'd want this, you'd want this story told. And it's, it's just, it's too important. One of the things on your website that really caught my attention and we'll finish with this is, is this accurate that only two countries on the planet allow advertising for, for pharmaceuticals? 
And they are the United States and New Zealand? Yes. Only two countries allow drug advertising. Why, why do you suppose that is? Well, healthcare is big business. It is big business. Um, I know they've tried in other countries and they've said no. Um, but obviously with social media, that's a form of advertising. So they'll start seeing that, but it's the big broadcast. And you, it, you know, once that happens and, you know, you've come from working with some of the major networks, um, advertise, the pharmaceuticals are one of the number one category of spending for these networks and advertisers. So, you know, you got to ask, like, it, does that influence or it, whether intentionally or not, there is a relation. So, yeah, that um, advertising, I, I would personally, I would love to see it go away. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's the big business. Yeah, they stopped advertising cigarettes at a certain point on television. I remember that very well because th that was during my childhood. Um, if you want to learn more about Kim Witzak, and you should, it's kimwitzak.com, and that's W-I-T-C-Z-A-K, W-I-T-C-Z-A-K. You'll see it there graphically. Also, I want to – if people feel they've been injured by their vaccine, there's a website called react19.org react19.org. And you can go there and learn a little bit more. But Kim's story and the work that she's doing, both very, very important. And I'm, I'm so grateful to have been introduced to you, Kim, and we're going to stay in touch on this and continue to follow up with you and what you learn and what you find. And that you are being an advocate for these victims is so admirable. I hope it goes somewhere. I really do to, to see what these people have gone through is really difficult. And, and they, by the way, not only difficult, but really, really expensive. One of the women I met had already dished out $20,000 in treatment. And she told me that's nothing. That's nothing. I know people have, you know, had to pay $120,000 for their medication and their treatment for these symptoms. So it, it, we should be curious. We should find out. We we need to know. Kim, and, thank you so much. And I was oh, did just you have one say, more thing? Yeah, I was just yeah. going to say, you know, when you hear that um, it's a small percent or you don't see it, but if that small percent is your person or you personally, it's your 100%. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of these injuries happen one-offs. Imagine it was a bunch of planes that went down all at the same time. We might actually demand to know answers, but when they're one-offs and people are ignoring them or calling them, we just kind of look the other way. So thank you so much because we need people like you, Michelle, that have a platform to tell these real stories and you're a hero to us. Uh, I, I just believe in a, a sane response to this stuff and we're not getting it and we're not seeing it and we've seen a lot of insanity. So... <laughs> That's why I call it sideline sanity, Kim, and we hope to, to shed a lot of light on this and see where it goes. But in the meantime, think about these people. Think about someone you know who maybe was an athlete or a teacher or a grandmother, and suddenly they can't do the things that a month ago they were able to do happily, gleefully, joyfully, because they took a vaccine that they were told was safe and effective. And we've seen that it isn't really effective. 
-hmm. How about all the tweets from public officials saying, thank goodness I had two shots and double boosted or my case of COVID that I have right now would be so much worse. Really? How do you know? Mm -hmm. So questions, curiosity. It's kimwitzak.com. Check it out. And also again, react19.org. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Be brave and do good. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us. Gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the, the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what legacy is about is showing you options and, and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's, it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it. As inflation yeah. gets higher, this is where gold and silver come in. Someone is saying, okay, I, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When right. they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? You know, that's a great question. And what a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're, we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what, are your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me to them. You would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation. Right. You have less to lose. 
So you should not lose it. It's, it's really, you know, it's, it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s. Um, That's something that's going to be dramatic. So when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why. It helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals. Uh, A weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now, but even under the best of terms, the government tells you two to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at two or 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar by not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. (laughs) And we're glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you.